For the first time since 2006, the Sacramento Kings have 40 wins in the regular season and counting. But that can take a seat along with the Kings starters as tonight, all of our attention and praise goes to the Sacramento Kings bench and three Kings fans who have become legends. You're listening to Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season long and soon to be all playoffs long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. Back here in the ABC 10 studios, although I wish we were in the Golden One Center because I would use what little influence I have to get Scott Moak, the Sacramento Kings PA announcer, and the Kings crowd to gather around and allow an introduction setting, but for the Kings bench five tonight. And you know what? I don't think any Kings starter would have it any other way with how the second unit, the unlikeliest of heroes, come together to hand the Phoenix Suns their first loss at the hand of the Kings this season. It doesn't matter that Kevin Durant didn't play because up to this point, the Kings had lost every single game they'd faced against the Phoenix Suns without Kevin Durant. Before tonight, they were 0-2 against Phoenix. Tonight, they go into Phoenix. They win 128-119, to and they do it thanks to a combined 65 points from five bench players. But that's not the most impressive thing. Look at the shooting efficiency from this bench unit. 20 of 33 from the field. That is 60%. Really, if you round it up, that's 61% from the second unit. Plus, the second unit pulled down 19 of Sacramento's 39 rebounds and also tallied eight assists. Not to mention their best defensive performances were off of the bench. These are numbers that you would be thrilled with your starting five getting. And these are numbers that the Kings starting five has given them many, many times in wins over the course of this season. But tonight, it was the depth that shined through. Tonight, it was the depth that stepped up, and they didn't do it against a team in the middle of the pack. They didn't do it against a team in the cellar of the Western or Eastern Conference. They did it against the team that everybody believes is the biggest threat to catch them in their current playoff seating. Now, I know the Kings have moved up to two. We were worried about the Phoenix Suns catching the Kings at three. Well, they're still very much in the mix for three and two. The Memphis Grizzlies in three, the Kings at two. But with the Kings win tonight, they create just a little bit more separation between themselves and the Grizzlies in that top two spot. And they create even more needed separation from that Phoenix Suns team that everybody was saying is a championship contender and the best team likely to come out of the West. Now, that might have changed since Kevin Durant's ankle injury. But regardless, the Kings handle their business again. What's been consistent since this uh, all-star break, other than the Sacramento Kings winning basketball games, is the fact that the Kings are in control of their destiny. And tonight, once again, on the road, the best road team in the Western Conference, they handle their business, but it wasn't De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis in the Kings' starting lineup that carried them through. It was the Kings' second unit. I got to give love to so many guys, right? And we're going to get to the Kings uh, winning 40 games, of course, for the first time since 2006. We're going to get to the praise that is more than deserved 
to three Sacramento Kings fans who were mocked for a video that came out in the summertime who now deserve to be exalted and get all the attention and all the praise, not just from Sacramento Kings fans, but from the NBA landscape for their bold and exciting uh, prediction and their reaction to a summer league game. We'll get to all of that, and hopefully you know what I'm talking about. We'll get to that. But we have to start the same way that we would start a normal NBA game, except not talking about the starters, not celebrating the starters with introductions and all of the ceremony and, and flash and flare of, of a typical starting introduction sequence uh, that you see at a Golden 1 Center. No, we're starting with the bench. And even though he was not the leading scorer with the second unit, we are starting with Kessler Edwards. Talk about making the most of your opportunity. Kessler Edwards tonight, 12 points, 4 of 6 shooting from the field, 2 of 4 shooting from 3-point range, including a big 3 in the fourth quarter, seven rebounds, one assist, one steal, and that does not include all the excellent on-ball defense that he played that doesn't show up in the box score. Kessler Edwards was fantastic in tonight's game. Just fantastic. Someone who before tonight has really only gotten one chance to play kind of extended stretches and extended minutes. That was a home game for Sacramento a couple of nights ago uh, where he performed pretty well. But tonight, he was instrumental in the Kings win. That's why we're starting with him. That's why I haven't seen yet, honestly, I'm recording this before I've seen on social media who won the defensive player of the game chain, but I have to imagine it belongs around Kessler Edwards' neck because he was massive for the Sacramento Kings on the defensive end of the floor. The Kings were in an 11-point hole early, a 10-0 Suns run. Uh, they were ahead early on. Chris Paul was scoring at will. Devin Booker uh, was, was uh, scoring in transition. The Kings defensively off to a rough start. Not too surprising with how dynamic that Suns offense is, and we know the defense is a weakness of the Sacramento Kings. Mike Brown calls a timeout. Coming out of that timeout, it's Davion Mitchell and Kessler Edwards that come into the game, and both those guys changed the game immediately. And by the way, Kessler Edwards, you're not just coming in and guarding maybe the second or third option. No, you're coming right into the game, and you're guarding the baby-faced assassin. You're guarding Devin Booker, and he did a phenomenal job against Devin. Now, Devin still scored. Devin still got his. Don't get me wrong. It's not like he shut him down, but he made him work, and he was doing a significantly better job than any Sacramento King was doing to start the game or for the remainder of the game. Kessler Edwards was just excellent on the defensive end of the floor tonight. And here's the thing. The King's depth shined through tonight, right? The King's depth, they are the heroes. They are the focal point of tonight's podcast. Tonight is a reminder not just to Sacramento Kings fans who wanted the Kings to make moves to the trade deadline, because there were a lot of you, and I understand why. Tonight was a reminder to the entire NBA world why Monty McNair decided to stick with this group and believe in this group as constructed. The only move he made at the trade deadline was getting Kessler Edwards. The rest of the roster, he stuck with. He talked about protecting this King's core, believing in them. Well, clearly his belief is well-placed because this team continues to win in so many different ways. And I'm going to share with you just a list that I've compiled of different ways the Kings have won games this season. But he's put his belief not just in a starting five who's been excellent all year, not just in De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis who uh, are, are NBA All-Stars and might be in the running for uh, All-NBA uh, recognition. He put his belief in this depth that at times, yes, has been bad, has been lacking, has been a weakness of the Kings. But tonight, it was their strength. 
Tonight, it was the reason they beat arguably their biggest threat outside of the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference. Huge performance from Kessler Edwards tonight. And I'm telling you, we need to see more. It's one game. We need consistency. But if this is who Kessler Edwards can be, and I'm not expecting 12 points every night out of Kessler Edwards, right? But if this is who he can be, someone who is a threat to score from the perimeter, someone who can put the ball on the floor, someone who is engaged on the defensive end, who's athletic, who's long, if this is who he can be every single night, the Kings might have found that that ever-elusive, two-way, long, defensive and offensive wing for that second unit. Something that this team has lacked for a long, long time. If this is who Kessler Edwards is, Monty McNair has found his guy. We need to see more, but as of right now, boy, it, it seems like the low-risk, high-reward gamble, if you want to call it that, that McNair made at the trade deadline to bring Edwards in from the Brooklyn Nets, looks like it was a brilliant decision on his part. Trey Lyles. I mean, I've talked about this man so much already, just on my last uh, Lockdown Kings podcast. I talked about how I think Trey Lyles is a day one free agency target for Sacramento. He might not be the sexiest of names in this free agency class, but to Sacramento and to Kings fans who have been watching him play all season long and knows what he brings with the second unit, the Kings should be doing everything in their power within reason to bring him back. Tonight, 13 points, 4 of 8 shooting from the field, 3 of 5 from 3-point range, 4 rebounds, 11 of his 13 points were in the first quarter. Why is that worth pointing out? Because some people would say, well, he disappeared in the second, third, and fourth quarters. No, when the Kings needed offense in that first quarter, when they fell into a hole early and managed to build back, uh, build it back into a halftime lead by eight points, Trey Lyles was instrumental in that with the instant offense that he provided off of the bench, kind of establishing the offensive flow of the second unit while both Kessler Edwards and Davion Mitchell established the defensive flow. This is who Trey Lyles is every single night and it's getting to a point now where you can expect him to average double digits he's getting to that point and he doesn't need a boatload of minutes to do it although if mike brown feels confident in sticking with him and i give mike brown a crap ton of credit he stuck with trey lyles for a good portion of time he of course stuck with malik monk we'll talk about malik in a second he stuck with kessler edwards and allowed kessler to be out there in clutch time minutes stuck with davion mitchell at times including a, a big three that Davion hit in the fourth quarter. We'll get to Davion here in a second. Like, full credit to the Kings head coach. He recognized, hey, this second unit got me this far, and I know my starting lineup is reliable, but Kagan Murray not having a great night, Kevin Herter not having a great night. I'm going to replace them with bench players who have stepped up for me. I'm going to not just reward them for how they've played to this point. I believe they are my best chance to pull out this game, and he was right. But Trey Lyles... That is something that he can do every single night if the Kings need, especially in the playoffs. Whether it's as a backup five, as a, stre as a stretch four, it doesn't matter. Trey Lyles is that reliable piece for Sacramento. I'm telling you, I would feel comfortable right now with the Kings getting him day one, day two of free agency and offering him 10 to $12 million a year. I have no idea what the market value is going to be for him. Some might say that's too much. Some might say that's not enough. I have no idea. But if the Kings, if you told me, on day one of free agency, that the Sacramento Kings have agreed to a three-year deal, a uh, three-year $30 million deal. Maybe a four-year deal with the fourth year being a team option. Whatever. For $10 million a year. I'm celebrating. And I think Kings fans would celebrate too. Davion Mitchell. I shared recently how proud I've been of Davion lately. Right? And how 
I've enjoyed watching his success so much because out of every single Kings player, he was the one I think myself and most of us in the media and even as fans have been hardest on this season consistently out of anybody else. And a lot of that was deserved. Davion kind of looked lost. He didn't know what his role was out, uh, outside of just what he provides on the defensive end of the floor. Wasn't necessarily making the right decisions as the secondary point guard. Well, recently he's turned that around. And tonight, 13 points. 5 of 7 shooting from the field, 2 of 4 from 3-point range, including, like I mentioned earlier, a big 3-pointer that he hit in the fourth quarter. A gotta-have-it bucket for the Kings and the Suns. We're trying to make their push and snatch this game away. Of course, you can always rely on the great defense that he provides as well. I talked about the impact that he and Kessler Edwards had in the first quarter after the Kings were in an 11-point hole early on. The biggest thing to me, what I'm noticing from, from, from uh, Davion is he's playing his game and he's making the right decisions, whether it's to take the open shot, put the ball on the floor, and attack the basket. I think it was the second quarter that he had a hesitation move and just exploded to the rim for an easy layup. Like, he's making the right decisions. He's aggressive when he needs to be, but he's also doing well enough to play off the ball that defenses have to respect him. They can't just leave him open in the corner or leave him open on the wing because he's proving that he can hit those shots. But even so, he's moving well off the ball. He's directing traffic. And then, again, what he provides defensively, I mean... It's hard to ask for more out of Davion Mitchell than what we're seeing right now. Again, if this is the Davion Mitchell that the Kings can have a majority of nights, it's an excellent pick from Monty McNair, even if he's not starting. And I know he wants to start. You back up De'Aaron Fox, if this is your backup point guard, even if Malik Monk has the majority of floor general duties with the second unit, you can't ask for much better from Davion at this point in time. Speaking of Malik Monk, it's crazy I'm leaving him for last talk about in this bench unit because he was the leading scorer off the bench, the second leading scorer for the Kings with 18 points, a super efficient 5 of 10 from the field, went 4 of 6 from 3-point range, also had 5 assists, 4 rebounds, 2 steals, and a block. Talk about a stuffed uh, box score. I hope you had Malik Monk as a like late bench player or, or a rotation player or flex player on your fantasy basketball team because he was huge tonight for the Kings. Now, there were a couple times that I thought that Malik was a little bit out of control. In fact, I thought the Kings... There were a couple of stretches where the Kings as a team were out of control. We know they like to play in transition. We know they like to play fast, but their decision-making wasn't sharp. They were turning the ball over in transition, kind of forcing themselves into bad shots early in the shot clock. They settled themselves down, and it was good to see Malik Monk settle himself down and provide this amazing performance off of the bench. This Kings bench, I mean, I can't say enough good things about what they did tonight. And even... The amount of time that I've spent on them now, I still don't feel does appropriate justice. This is not the bench that you're going to get every single night from the Sacramento Kings. It's not. But if you can get it every now and then, especially in nights that maybe your starters aren't playing as well as you expect, especially in nights where De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis aren't as dominant as they normally are, and in this case, they don't have to be because of how good the bench is playing and how good the depth is playing, that's a valuable, valuable asset to have. And there's probably going to be at least one or two times during the postseason where the Kings might rely on maybe not 65 points from their second unit, but a solid 40 points and a unit that is engaged. Good Kessler Edwards and Davion Mitchell defense. Malik Monk's floor general ability in the second unit. Trey Lyles just being a, 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 a Swiss Army knife, jack of all trades, for uh, playing with the starters or playing with the second unit. Yeah, the Kings are going to need a lot of this in the postseason. And tonight, they showed us that, once again, they can do it. This episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Nissan. It is time 
for our Nissan's most electric player of the week, brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Now, if it was just for the player of the night, you know I'd give it to Kessler Edwards or someone coming off of the bench, but it's player of the week. That's why I'm giving it to DeMontis Sabonis, who didn't have a triple-double tonight, but before this had triple-doubles in back-to-back games. He's got nine triple-doubles on the season, which I think is the Sacramento Kings franchise record, if I'm not mistaken. Plus, he's third in the NBA in triple-doubles, second only to Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic, two Hall of Fame players, two MVP caliber players. DeMontis Sabonis has had a phenomenal season. Again, he's doing it on a broken thumb tonight. He dove to the floor going for a loose ball and had DeAndre Ayton sitting, 250-pound DeAndre Ayton literally sitting on his arm and still was not afraid to fight and scratch and claw for that loose ball. He fights for every single rebound. He, of course, fights for uh, his buckets around the basket, fights for his assists and gets his teammates involved. He does everything. He is incredibly brilliant. He's fierce. He's stunning. He's elegant, powerful. So many things that also describe the Nissan uh, 2023 Nissan All-Electric Aria. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin to your seat power and premium intelligence. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. 40, 4, 0. There are 40-year-olds today that were 24 the last time the Sacramento Kings won 40 games or more during the regular season. And there are 60 or nearly 60-year-olds today that were 40 the last time the Kings won 40 games in a regular season. That number is not just important because it's another milestone to check off on the long list of milestones for this Kings team this season. It's significant because it was prophesized by three Sacramento Kings fans outside of the Chase Center after a California Classic win this last summer. Sean Chu, John Lardy, and if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Nadim Sitar. Those were the three Sacramento Kings fans that were caught on an SB Nation camera flexing, cheering, celebrating a Sacramento Kings win. I think it was over the Golden State Warriors at the Chase Center during the California Classic. The Kings were celebrating, or Kings fans were celebrating that win with handmade, or at least one of them had a handmade Keegan Murray jersey because they weren't selling them yet. Keegan had just been drafted, and they were having the time of their life, stepping outside the Chase Center, making their way back to their cars, flexing, cheering, having a great time, and it was Sean Chu who flexed at the camera and declared, the Kings are winning 40 games this year. Now that clip went viral. It blew up. And it was mocked. Millions upon millions of views, hundreds of thousands of fans around the world laughing at these three Kings fans, poor, pathetic Kings fans, to be celebrating after a meaningless victory during Summer League, or not even the Summer League that matters, the California Classic, and talking about winning 40 games, which isn't even 500. Those, play, those guys were mocked. And you know what? I'm glad they were. I'm glad because that makes their triumphant accomplishment. Because yes, even though it's the Sacramento Kings that did the work for them, they accomplished a lot tonight too. And they, in so many ways, represent Sacramento Kings fandom as a whole. We have had to celebrate the little things for 16 years. We've had to celebrate a win during the summertime. 
We've had to celebrate two summer league titles. We've had to celebrate upset victories in the middle of March or February, even though the Sacramento Kings are eight or nine games under 500, just because it was fun. We've had to celebrate Vince Carter and the Sacramento Kings beating the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron James inside the Golden One Center in a game that didn't matter, except for the fact that Vince Carter and the Kings beat LeBron James. That's what we've had. To, we had to celebrate the team freaking staying here in Sacramento. That's what we've had over the last 16 years. So that clip is a perfect representation of what Sacramento Kings fandom has been. And you know what? Still is and forever will be. Because even if this fan base is finally cheering for a winning basketball team, cheering for a team that has gotten to 40 wins, that is sitting in the second seed in March, even though we have that success now and so many fans are starting to come back to the team and many outside of Kings fandom are finally starting to pay attention to this Kings team, those OGs, those day ones, they would be reacting the exact same way tonight if the Kings beat the Phoenix Suns and the Kings were 40 losses on the season. That is who this fan base is. And you know what? I say kiss my ass to any fan or anybody outside of Kings fandom who continues to laugh and mock those three guys or Kings fans like it for celebrating the little things. And to all of those on social media tonight who are still mocking the Kings for making such a big deal out of winning 40 games, fans of franchises like the Golden State Warriors or the Philadelphia 76ers, who they seem to win 40 or more games every single year without issue, screw them because they haven't been through what Sacramento Kings fandom has been through. And the Kings fans don't need to apologize to anybody. These three don't need to apologize for anybody for making a racket and celebrating like the Kings won a title outside of a summer league game. Because they are what's the best part about this organization. They're the best part about this city. They're the best part about this fan base. And it's great that they are getting the attention that they deserve tonight. It's great that they are getting vindicated and it's now on the Sacramento Kings to invite the three of them to a game and they need to do two things. One, they need to light the giant, or rather ring the giant cowbell at center court before the Kings start their introduction sequence. They do it after, or they do it before every single home game. And then after the Kings win, it sucks that that 40th win wasn't at home, so they couldn't have this moment tonight. But after the Kings win, they need to hit that light the beam button. Nobody other than Kings players has hit it. And I believe nobody really should other than Kings players or Kings coaches. Other than, I guess, 50 Cent, if you count that. To me... Those three should be lighting the beam tonight. Those three should be lighting the beam the next time the Kings have a home win. I love the three of you. I have no idea if they watch or listen to Locked on Kings. No clue. I would love to have one of them, if not all three of them, on the podcast at some point to talk about this and to celebrate them. They don't need this platform to get the recognition. They're blowing up on social media, and rightfully so. If you know them, or if you follow them, or can interact with them, tell them how grateful you are for them and for properly representing this Kings organization. They are fantastic, and it's amazing that they called their shot and they got it right and that the Kings had their backs. The Kings players backed them up. What a great night for them. The Kings just keep winning in so many different ways. Like if I was game planning against the Sacramento Kings, of course you target their weaknesses like their defense and you, you try and do the best you can to slow down De'Aaron Fox or slow down DeMontis Sabonis, which to be fair, the Phoenix Suns did a decent job of that tonight. And yet the Sacramento Kings just keep on winning. How do you stop this Kings offense? How do you stop DeMontis Sabonis? How do you stop De'Aaron Fox? How do you just stop this Kings team as a whole when on a night like tonight, you have a bench that scores 65 points against you on the road and they 
put up 128 points. The Sacramento Kings as a team scored 128 points tonight. And not a single Kings player scored 20 or more. The highest was Harrison Barnes with 19 points. De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis combined for 35 points. And the Kings still nearly scored 130. How is that possible with this team? How do you stop that? How do you counter that? And that, those are just a couple of examples of different ways that the Sacramento Kings have won games throughout the season. You know, I compiled a list. I compiled a list, and I know I'm missing stuff on this list. So if you want to add to this list, please do so. You can do it on, in the comments if you're watching on YouTube, the comment section down below. You can tweet me at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Add to this list. But this is a list that I put together of different ways that the Sacramento Kings have won games this season. NBA's best offense, clutch De'Aaron Fox, seven players in double figures, which they had tonight. Normally, five of them are starters. 19-0 run to end the game. Remember when the Kings went on a 19-0 run to beat the Cavaliers in Cleveland? Undefeated in overtime. Half-court buzzer beaters like De'Aaron Fox's shot in Orlando that forced overtime that they won. Overcoming bad shooting nights like when the Sacramento Kings were shooting in the low 30s as a team from three-point range for a consistent stretch of games and still winning a majority of those games, many of which were on the road, by the way. Perfect free-throw shooting. Not too long ago, they went, I think, what was it, 26 of 26 from the foul line? 176 points against the Los Angeles Clippers, right? Winning that game 176 to 175. And then tonight, heroics of the bench. That's just a list that I could fit in the however many characters are allowed on Twitter. That's the list that I put together. I'm sure there are more that I'm forgetting. Again, send me the ones that I am forgetting. But what does that say? That says that this Kings team, like championship caliber teams, they know how to win in different ways. You take one thing away from them, they find out another way. If it's not the clear straight path, which is maybe De'Aaron Fox leading a stellar offense, they find another way. They've done it all season long. They've done it in different locations. They've done it against different quality of teams. This is who the Sacramento Kings are. This Sacramento Kings team, the identity of this Kings team, amongst many other things, the identity at the core is this team finds ways to win. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar. Now, if you've listened to Locked On Kings before, if you listened to Locked On Kings for a while, you know that Built Bar has been a sponsor for a long time here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And if you haven't given Built Bars a try yet, what's wrong with you? I'm, I'm not just talking about them just because they're a sponsor. I talk about them because they're part of my daily life. They're part of my routine. They've helped me accomplish my goals so far this season, my New Year's resolution of eating better. And for me specifically, as with a skinny twig that I am, packing on the protein that I need that I'm lacking from my overall diet. Whether you're trying to lose weight, just eat better, or maybe just find a healthy replacement for that sweet tooth that none of us want to get rid of, Built Bars are perfect for you. They're protein bars that are covered in 100% chocolate. They also have their marshmallow puffs, which are protein-infused marshmallows. They have their granola bars for good energy. These are all available for you on Built.com, or you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club, go to the pharmacy section, and give their Built bars a try. There's so many great flavors. My favorite is mint brownie. They have like churro. They have uh, uh, like a coconut almond bar for you to try. So many different flavors, again, all covered in 100% chocolate. We're talking only 130 calories per bar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. Give them a try. Implement them into your diet. I'm telling you, not only will you enjoy eating them, you will enjoy how they make you feel, and you will enjoy the results to your personal health goals that you see from 
eating these bars and implementing them into your daily diet. Again, give them a try. You can go to built.com. With tonight's win, the Sacramento Kings are now 8-1 since the All-Star break, controlling their destiny. And look, I understand people who believe in jinxes. I understand people who are not willing to declare it or say it or even think it until it is mathematically set in stone. But I think this Kings team is too good to be concerned about jinxes. So I'm saying here, I'm declaring here on Locked on Kings that it is a lock that this Kings team will have home court advantage in the opening round of the playoffs. Imagine if I had told myself and imagine if I had said that before uh, on a Locked on Kings podcast before the season started or going back to last summer when these three Kings fan legends were flexing outside of the Golden 1 Center. What a ride it has been, but that is who I believe this team is. So if you're planning on coming to Sacramento for the opening round of the playoffs, look up the dates for games one and two. I'm pretty sure the NBA's put out their playoff schedule or given you a time frame. Book those flights, book those hotels now, because game one and game two, whoever they're playing, we, we don't know yet, but they will be in Sacramento. I feel very, very confident in that, this team simply will not be denied. And I'm not worried about the Bucs coming up next, even though the Bucs lost to the Warriors tonight. The Kings very well, well might win that game. I'm not worried about the game coming up against the Boston Celtics either. Not worried about it. Those games might be losses, but this team is still going to overcome it. They'll win enough games over the remainder of this stretch to secure a top four seed. Hell, it might be number two, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. It might be number two. Before we wrap up, on my last Locked on Kings podcast, after the Kings win over the New York Knicks, I played the majority of Mike Brown's press conference because Mike was not happy despite getting that win. He was not happy with the way the Sacramento Kings played. I posted about 77 seconds of that podcast, or rather, uh, of that press conference to social media for ABC 10. That clip that I posted of Mike Brown and his accountability has blown up. Just blown up. And what's standing out the most to me about that clip is the fact that I am reading so many different fan bases replying and responding to that clip saying, I wish my coach was like this. I wish Jason, Jason Kidd was right, like this in Dallas. Hell, Steve Kerr has lost this now that Mike Brown has left the Golden State Warriors. When's the last time someone has said that about a Sacramento Kings coach? Mike Brown's the coach of the year. I know he's the betting favorite now. If I'm saying it's a lock that the Kings are going to be a, uh, uh, are going to host the uh, first two games and have home court advantage in the opening round of the playoffs, then I'll also say it's a lock that Mike Brown is going to be the coach of the year. Nobody deserves it more. Nobody. And it's not even close. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. I hope you are enjoying this run that we've been on, whether you're new to Locked on Kings or you've been with me through all the struggles over the last six years. We made it. We're enjoying it. Let's keep enjoying this ride. We still have a handful of games, what, like 16 or so games remaining. And then we'll get into postseason basketball. And that's a whole new beast. That's a whole new territory that even I don't know what to do in. So Locked on Kings will be an uncharted territory, but it's territory we've wanted to get to for years and years and years. And I'm excited to discover it with you together. Thank you so much for your support. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.